We can be dream makers, nurturing, compassionate. Nosotros podemos ser más unidos. We can be anything. I'm Grant Oliphant. This is We Can Be. So I just had I just had this idea, you know, of of taking and making these these pizza slash bread ovens and selling them, and um, it's really cool to see it happen. My guest today is Steve Shelton, and his journey has taken him from riding in the back of a pickup truck as a kid on the way to bricklaying jobs to his 2009 founding of the Trade Institute of Pittsburgh. So, Steve, there are about a thousand different questions I could ask you, but the trades are a good profession and a good source of income for somebody who's working in them. I think when we think about the American work ethic, we most often associate that actually with the type of work that gets done through the trades. The surprising connection that you've made is to take ex-offenders and train them for that profession. How did you get this idea and why is it important? The Trade Institute started with an idea and I was actually driving down Bennett Street in Homewood in my truck because I was running a construction company at the time and I had a thought, why aren't there younger people getting in the trades? I believe that there's a whole lot of people sitting in our jails that were paying roughly $50,000 a year that just weren't given the opportunities. Talent has nothing to do with the color of your skin and it has everything to do with having the opportunity to develop it. And when I had that idea, I really didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about incarcerated individuals or halfway houses or anything. I was just thinking about getting some young people off the street. And actually the first class was just an instructor, some brick and block, and eight young guys off the street who I just found and we ended up getting two of them jobs. This right here is a mailbox, a brick mailbox. Uh, right here, I'm doing a, uh, a chimney about 12 courses high. We just trying to perfect our craft, you know? Perfect it as best as we could. Each week it just get harder and harder, each project. Right up here with these bricks, I stand straight up. Them is called soldiers, they call those soldiers. But we usually just tear this down because this is just like practice mortar. Well, most places in America are encountering a shortage of skilled workers in the trades. So you're addressing a gap that clearly needs to be filled as well. We do live in a society that has the highest rates of incarceration in the world. We seem to be in love with putting people in prison. From a criminal justice reform standpoint, we keep people in prison not only for minor offenses and minor drug charges, but then for being unable to pay bail or being unable to pay fines and it snowballs and they can end up spending a lot of time in prison for something they probably shouldn't even have had to spend any time in prison for. But they're still stigmatized when they come out, if they are able to come out. Is it difficult for you to help your trainees gain legitimacy in the workforce? You know, I've been doing this for about 10 years now. For the first five years, it was pretty rough. But like you just spoke to, the lack of uh, skilled workers in, in the trades today. You know, back when I was working in as a bricklayer and a laborer, there was more work than there was guys. And now it's just the opposite. They took trades out of the city high schools. They closed the biggest trade center down in the city. And it was like everybody was, was being channeled to colleges. 
So there was a generation and a half that was skipped over. So now, all of a sudden, I just heard a figure the other day. We have in Pittsburgh alone $10 billion worth of work to be done. And everybody's looking and saying, you know, we, we need skilled workers. And now, these individuals coming out of incarceration, by us giving them the opportunity to hone their talent, to use their talent. And what we do at the Trade Institute as well is we're, I, I like to think we're really great advocates for them. We're able to talk to employer partners to figure out what their need is, and then we assess each individual that comes through the Trade Institute, and we place them with that employer. And what's your placement rate? So in 2017, it was pretty phenomenal. It was a, We had a 94% placement rate at $15 an hour or better. These guys are emerging with a good wage. That's the cool part about it is, I think, we're able to take an individual from a jail cell or off the street to a $15 an hour job or better in 10 weeks. There's a lot of contractors in this city who are looking for talented individuals. I can see these guys that are sincere about wanting to get into a trade and get their life back on track. I can see the surrender flag. And all we do, I call it, we give them a hand up. It's not a handout. They have to earn it all the way. You know, and, and, and I'm so proud of these guys that come out because it's not easy to put your life back together. You know, we've got story after story after story after story of individuals of that lost their whole families when they were in jail. And a guy that was in for 20 years lost his whole family. You can imagine 20 years ago, there weren't even cell phones. So he's coming out right. into a society with all this tech and everything else, and it's like, it's got to be overwhelming. Nearly $81 billion. The latest data from the Department of Justice shows this was the amazing cost to keep this many people, 6.9 million in prison, in jail, on parole, and on probation in 2012. And taxpayers like you foot that bill. My name is Cam. Yeah, I was in uh, jail for 10 years. All dog colors, everyone wears brown. Same thing, you know, food, horrible. Just waking up every day, you feel like Bill Murray and Groundhog's Day. You just wake up to the same thing every day, every day, every day, 10 years straight. The first thing coming home, I stopped at Walmart, you know, to get some hygiene products. Just everything was so bright and colorful. Like, I'm just used to the dog colors. Everyone wears brown, everything. Started looking for jobs. All the interviews I was having, they were, you know, they were going good. We laughing, joking, you know, they seemed like they would give me a chance, you know, hire me. And once they find out that I, you know, have a record, have a felony, you know, they'll tell me, I'll call you back, you know, we'll keep in touch, we'll let you know. And I would never get a call. You actually have some data to back up the effectiveness of this, don't you? You've estimated that the Trade Institute of Pittsburgh has saved taxpayers $10 million. And I assume that that's in terms of reduced incarceration rates, reduced reliance on social programs. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, let's just take a number, for instance, say 60 individuals. If we take 60 individuals this year and they, they come out of jail, they come through the program and we get them jobs. So at $50,000 per person, that's $3 million a year that we're saving mm. by keeping 60 people out of jail. On top of that, now they're taxpayers. So the average first year student that we put in a job, they're going to bring 5,800 
in taxes back. And then you go a little bit further and you say, okay, now they're taking their checks and they're going into their communities and they're spending their paycheck. To me, it's like economic development at its best because it's like dropping a rock in a pond. When their lives are built up, the communities are built up, their families are built up, the cities build up, the contractors are built up. Well, let's familiarize people a little bit with what you and the Trade Institute do. I'd like you just to briefly explain what's happening there. Well, the Trade Institute of Pittsburgh is a, it's a nonprofit trade training facility. The core program in it is masonry, and it's a 10-week program. We work primarily 85% of the students that come to the Trade Institute are either coming out of incarceration or out of a multitude of pretty bad situations. To get in, it's, it starts with one simple phone call. They talk to Miss Sue. Miss Sue will set up an appointment, and they'll sit down for an interview, and they do a face-to-face interview with either my counselor, case manager, and myself. And we make a determination right there at that point whether they would work out well to come in for a three-day trial. We give them that opportunity right then and there. We give them a three-day trial. They come in. They work out well through the three-day trial. They're showing up on time. They're showing a a good attitude. We'll bring them on for the 10-week program. And at the 10-week program, they sign a contract with us. No dope, no guns, no booze, no foul mouth, no disrespect, or you're going to go out the door. Myself, having 44 years in the trades, full-time instructor, Mr. Glenn, he's got 42 years in laying brick. He's 70 years old. Uh, between us, we got almost 100 years in the trade, so we're pretty good at identifying talent. And that's the primary mission about what we do is we use masonry, brick and block, and lime and sand to identify an individual's talent. Uh, it, it never ceases to amaze me that there are individuals that will come walking into the Trade Institute and pick up a trowel and start laying brick, and they'll be laying brick in like two days. I tell everybody, you know, I believe God created everybody to do something. But if you're never given the opportunity to do what it is God created you to do, you're going to do something. And a lot of them did dumb things, stupid things when they were younger, went to jail, and then they get out. And really, there's not a whole lot of in society set up to to really help them figure out how they're going to not go back to jail go back to the streets and do what it was that put them in there to begin with. And that's what the Trade Institute's all about. You know, I came in, talked to Miss Susan, talked to Miss Darnell. They called me back two hours later (laughs) and told me I was accepted and I started on Monday. First day, didn't know what to expect. You know, they had to circle, sit down, you know, tell everyone what you're thankful for. So after a while, I started getting comfortable. You know, you get to see other people's point of views and what they're going through in their everyday life. You can pick out pieces and parts and see like, okay, I can relate to that. Or you see how they learn from situations they've been in and you could take that and add it to your life. That's a, that's a huge part of the day in the morning coming in for the circle. I, I've grow, grown to enjoy that a lot. Every morning at eight o'clock on the dot. Your process isn't just training. It's really a holistic approach. I imagine there's some life learning. How do you handle that? So one of my favorite times of the day at the Trade Institute in the morning, we have what we call a power life class. First thing that comes out of everybody's mouth every morning is, what are you thankful for today? It starts everything off with that attitude of gratitude. The glass is half full. It's not half empty. You know, there's a lot of problems in life, and there's a lot of, a lot of things that these individuals are going through. And to get them to sit down in the morning and say, you know what? 
if I can look at the positive things that I have going on, then we can build on that. And then we pick a different topic in life, whether it's dealing with uh, how do you communicate properly? How do you deal with different life issues over the years? Every day is a different topic that we work through. How do you deal with anger? What do you do with that? Early on, when I was running a trade institute out of my truck with a cell phone, guys were coming to me when it was just eight students and say, hey, Mr. Steve, I have this or I have this, I have this. And I would sit down on a, (laughs) it was in an alley in Wilkinsburg on a concrete wall and we would sit down and we'd talk. I think one of the most powerful things you can do for an individual in this day and age that's having a lot of trouble is just sit and listen. Everybody that comes into the Trade Institute gets one hour a week to sit down with a counselor and actually dynamite guy. Darnell grew up in the hill, had a rough life, man. Got his master's in social work. He came in. That's the cool part about the Trade Institute is most of the people in there have gone through so much adversity in life that they understand. It takes a couple weeks. It takes two weeks for them to start lightening up and for the trust to kick in to where they trust us. The transformation to me, there's nothing like it to see somebody's transform, even their facial expression from when they first walk in that door, having done multiple years in jail and hard like a rock. And after about two to three weeks, you can just see their countenance even changes, their whole facial expression and everything because they can see some hope. That's just the greatest thing in the world for me is to see the transformation. Do you have a favorite success story? I have a bunch of them, but there's one in particular. There's a guy, guy, Slim. Slim did eight years in solitary. So we got Slim a job. We got him a good job. Slim was out making about 16, 17 bucks an hour right out of there. Our job developer, Bridget at the time, So she gets his text on Friday night from Slim, man, and I, st- I busted out laughing. And he texted, he texted Bridget, he says, you know, he says, if I'd have known I could have made this much money doing this work stuff, I'd have done this years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just one of those, just, just a moment, and it's so genuine. At a time when so many people in our nation's leadership are quick to judge and condemn, Steve does the opposite. He extends an open hand and an open heart and offers tools to help people help themselves. As with every life, there were some bricks in the road on Steve's pathway to garnering national attention for this work. And that is part of what makes his story so compelling. You know, what I love about listening to you tell these stories is the stories themselves, but also the emotion you obviously feel. And, you know, Steve is a tough-looking guy, and yet you're sitting here as emotionally raw as, as anyone could be and talking about people that they seem to love. What that speaks to is that, that this is personal for you in a way. You have a history that has walked you to this point, and you're very above board about it. I want to take you back, actually, to, to your early years and, and maybe when you first, you know, the time when you first became associated with the trades, you riding in the back of a pickup truck to go to job sites. Can you talk about that a bit? There was a gentleman down at the end of the street. His name was Cappy, and Cappy bricked houses, and I was 12 years old. Cappy had this old orange truck, 
the bricklayers always got to ride out front. You know, Cappy had the company and he ran the crew and everything. But the guy that that I rode in the back of the truck with, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson was an old African-American guy from Bruston Avenue in Homewood. And every morning, no matter if it was chilly, raining, whatever it was doing, Joe was 62 and I was 12. We'd get in the back of that truck and we had to ride to Greensburg every day and then ride, ride back. And he taught me how to work. I mixed mortar with a hoe for five, six bricklayers all day long. He would carry mortar and brick and everything, and we tended the bricklayers. Those were the earliest years of, of being in the trades. Growing up in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, it was a crazy time back then. There was a lot going on. You had discos, you got hippies. There was a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs back then, too. It affected a lot of what I did. It had a huge negative impact in my life. I had lost a lot. At one point, I lost everything, and then I got it back, and then I lost it again. So in 96, I made a decision. You know what? I says, I'm not going to do this. I mean, I can't do this anymore. And uh, I did about the only thing that I had left, and that was I turned to God. And I just told God, I said, listen, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get life right. I want to do things right. From that point on, that was actually a very definitive moment, February 5th, 1996. I haven't looked back since. It was rough, man. And a lot of times people have a tough time admitting their their faults and their failures and everything, but if you can look them square in the face and deal with them, you can get on with life and get on to what life has for you. And so I got around some good people, some people that, that I knew loved me, and I'd get on the phone with them and talk with them. We'd hang out together. You know, I started changing all the things that I needed to change to, to walk out of that craziness. Do you think that the journey of overcoming addiction and drinking and becoming sober and then following a spiritual path and finding a group of guys that you surrounded yourself with, was that important in helping you think about how to frame the work of the Trade Institute today? No doubt about it. I mean, to be able to walk out of something, to be able to look something in the face and know that it's not what you want to do anymore and you want to get on with life. There's a there's a scripture that says, you know, iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. You know, I, I believe that God put us down here to love one another, be able to help one another out. So you've got great empathy for the guys and gals that you work with, but you don't cut them any slack. Can't. Why is that important? Trust is earned and not given. So I told him on the way in the door, I said, listen, man, we're going to do everything in our power to help you get from where you are, whether you need clothes, bus passes, boots, whatever it is, doesn't matter. We will help you out. But I need you to trust that we know what we're doing inside these walls and the staff knows what we're doing and be able to, to help you navigate to get into these trades. And one of the great, some of the greatest stories we get is guys come back. We get guys that have been out there working two or three years and they'll come back to the morning circle and they'll come in on a rain day or something and they'll sit down and they'll say, you know, you need to listen to these guys because as tough as they say it is out there, it really is that tough, if not tougher. So you have to have a thick skin. It's not an easy industry to navigate, but show up on time, work hard and be teachable. That's where we start them. So you ask me, you say, man, how do you do this? So I'll tell you something, what we do at the Trade Institute of Pittsburgh, we can take somebody from zero to a living wage, 
in 90 days. You say, how do you, man, how do you, how do you turn, how do you turn all that, you know, how do you turn all that craziness around just in, in 90 days? Well, I'm going to show you how. And it starts with one of these. It's a very, very simple tool. It's a trial, you know? Just like a lot of the students that come in and out of the school, man, they have, they're all different shapes and sizes these things come in, you know? This one here, this one's, this one's for laying brick. You know, I've worked with this for many years. In your work with the Trade Institute, you transform lives that might otherwise have been lost. You had an experience when you were delivering a TEDx talk, mm -hmm. I think, in uh, 2016. Yeah. And you were asked after a very inspiring talk by folks in the audience, what inspires you? And something unexpected happened in that a lot of your former students stood up. Can you describe what that moment was about? I was conveying to everybody my experience about what, what inspires me to do what I do. And it just comes down to the men and women. And at the end of that talk, when they came walking up on the stage, knowing where all of them were a year or two prior to that, either incarcerated or in really bad situations, and knowing that they had great jobs under their belts and knowing that they were back on their feet, that's what inspires me, you know? That's what keeps me going every day. That had to be an emotional moment. It was very emotional. There's a light in everybody. See it and treat them as though that's all you see. And most of the individuals that are coming into the Trade Institute of Pittsburgh are coming out of a multitude of pretty horrific situations. Some of them had done eight years, 10 years, 15, 20 years in jail. Some of them did eight years in solitary. If you can take for a minute and put yourself in their situation and think about what that would be like to be in a, in a cell 23 hours a day in solitary, and then you think and talk to them about what actually put them there, which most of the time it was a stupid mistake. They did something at a time where they were desperate and really didn't have a whole lot of other alternatives because of lack of opportunity. That's what the Trade Institute is all about. That's what we're all about. It's just opportunity. Just recently, as a matter of fact, as yesterday, we just installed the first oven at a private residence here in Pittsburgh. Yesterday, Mr. Steve, he showed me a picture of the pizza oven that we built. He pulled me to the side and was like, look at this, check this out. And he, and he just said, cool, huh? And I say, more than cool, it's better than cool. <laughs> it looks like success to me. Not in a million years, I believe I could actually put something together like that. I had them send pictures to my phone so I could go home and show, <laughs> show everyone. I still shock myself every day just seeing the things that I didn't know I could do. The social milieu that we're living through right now is kind of harsh. People seem to be dividing into different camps and seem to judge each other very easily. As you think about your program and the work that you do and the guys and gals that you help, what do you want people to know about them? I've seen some of the most incredible talent come out of a jail cell. That's the beauty. That's why myself and the rest of the staff at the Trade Institute, we love going to work every day because it's, it's, it's like mining for gold. 
when you see an individual that has talent and they didn't even know they had it. And, you know, society, to put stigmas on different people and, you know, everybody can walk around pointing fingers. But, you know, Martin Luther King said it like this. He said, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. So in a crazy world that we live in today, it'd be really cool if everybody quit pointing fingers at one another and just start doing what's something cool for the person standing next to them and give them a hand up. Steve has used the imagery of dropping a rock in a pond to reference his work, and it's a more than fitting phrase to describe the ripples of positive change that he's brought to the world. His belief in second chances, his dedication to finding the good and worth in everyone, and his fight for a living wage make him a rock-steady presence in the social change community. He brings to the table his own life experience and an open-minded willingness to see that we all have assets to offer. And through this powerful combination, he is making society a more equitable place. <laughs>